few months after this interview, one of Starsky's main investors pulled out just as they were closing another funding round. Pretty soon, the company laid off all their drivers and effectively closed up shop as a trucking outfit. So in this case, the hype was just hype, you could say. But there are others still out there trying to crack the automation nut, and it's just a matter of time before one of these companies gets it right. And then what? What happens to all the truckers who simply want to live life out on the road? What indeed is Long Haul Paul asked there about the push toward more and ever more automation of uh, driving work? That clip is from Overdrive's 2020 collaboration with PRX's Radiotopia, the Over the Road podcast, the final episode that took a long look at automation on scene at the 2019 Great American Trucking Show in Dallas. At the same time, it gave Over the Road listeners both inside and outside of trucking a vivid portrait of the heavily manual, non-automated, grab the gears and thump the tires and talk to the dispatcher and negotiate the ins and outs of the picks and drops, the manual, real, time reality of over-the-road work today. I'm Todd Dills. You're listening to the Overdrive Radio Podcast, and on this Good Friday, we're going to hear that episode in full as the last installment in Overdrive Radio's re-air of OTR, ongoing since late December. Automation has become a fundamental piece of the way so many think about the future of trucks and trucking, including regulators uh, who seem bent on preparing the way in the name of safety. You'll recall news that aired just a couple weeks ago here in which the new Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administrator expressed her view that, though the timeline is ultimately unknown, that quote-unquote automated future, as some say, is coming. But you can count me among skeptics that, given the structure of our highway system, the American public will ever feel fully comfortable with the notion of sharing the road with 80,000-pound robots without an operator therein as capable overseer, one might say, of the machine. But hey, the more folks are eventually ferried around by wheeled robots themselves, I could well be wrong. Likewise, given the impulses the old dollar signs in the eye can infect even the most high-minded, stand-up, and or moral among us with. Well, the future looks pretty fuzzy, as it were. Don't forget to pack those reading glasses. What's more clear is it's been a bit of a busy week here at Overdrive for news. Before we take it back up with Long Haul Paul, here's some of the highlights. President Joe Biden's massive infrastructure plan calls for spending less than 10% of its $2 trillion price tag to improve highways and bridges and to enhance safety. Such projects would fall under the broader transportation infrastructure spending, uh, which accounts for less than a third of the $2 trillion. The American Jobs Plan would uh, use $115 billion to modernize 20,000 miles of highways and other roads and to repair 10,000 small bridges and the 10 most important large bridges in need of serious attention. The plan proposes spending another $20 billion to improve safety for drivers, cyclists, and pedestrians. Other transportation infrastructure funding would go toward public transit, passenger and freight rail service, ports, waterways, airports, and electric vehicle manufacturing and infrastructure. Reduced highway traffic last year did more than uh, just ease stress levels for commercial drivers. As the pandemic-related lockdown took vehicles off the road, especially last spring, the improved efficiency gave owner-operators significant fuel mileage gains for the year. Though all segments posted gains, among clients of owner-operator financial services company ATBS, flatbedders showed the biggest jump in fuel mileage over 2019, said ATBS President Todd Amon. They added nearly a whole mile per gallon, getting close to seven miles per gallon for the year. Such results suggest that when highway infrastructure investment actually keeps up with highway user demand, it could produce both environmental and financial gains. For the first time since early November, the weekly average price of diesel in the U.S. fell, according to the Department of Energy's weekly report. The decline shaved 3.3 cents off the average gallon of on-highway diesel, which ended at $3.16. That snapped a 20-week run of increases that saw fuel skyrocket by nearly a dollar. 
Truckload rates in the spot market, meanwhile, ended the most recent week up in all major segments, well above February averages according to DAT freight and analytics. Flatbed demand metrics on DAT load boards were soaring close to 2018 levels, with rates averaging up to $2.75 per mile. Dry bands hit $2.66, and Reefer topped up to $2.94. Truck parking is getting a renewed push in Washington, D.C. The Truck Parking Safety Improvement Act, a bipartisan bill, would give states $755 million from the Highway Trust Fund to pay for varied projects that would increase the number of spaces. A similar bill was introduced in the U.S. House a year ago, but never got out of committee. Allowing truck drivers under 21 years old to drive interstate continues to gain momentum in Congress, but most average overdrive readers don't agree with it. In recent polling, nearly two-thirds of respondents oppose the notion. They point to already lax training for more mature drivers, and they also worry that a larger pool of interstate drivers would uh, simply diminish highway safety. This is hardly the first time a push has been made to allow 18 to 20 year old truck drivers to cross state lines, so the recently reintroduced Drive Safe Act anticipates safety objections. The legislation would establish an apprenticeship program that requires 400 on-duty hours and 240 driving hours for any such driver. The programs will be split into 120 hour and 280 hour probationary periods. Catch more anytime, of course, on the way of updates via OverdriveOnline.com. As you listen to this final episode of Over the Road, keep in mind the podcast aired originally in the spring of 2020, so references to prior years are just about a year outdated. Add one, as it were, whenever you hear, for instance, about a year ago. There's also an update to the then-ongoing discussion of changes to the hours of service, to re-inject a modicum of flexibility for operators. At the point of the original airing, details were still relatively unclear, though they're most certainly not anymore, as any regular listener knows. How's the new split sleeper working out for you? If you've used it, or any other of the new provisions that went into effect in September of 2020, I'd love to hear from you about it. Hit me with a message at our podcast line at 530-408-6423. Before I hand it off to OTR host long haul Paul Marhofer, here's a message from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. FirstGuard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner operators done right. As we've done for more than 80 years, we provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to six months of insurance premiums up front, but not FirstGuard. We bill monthly, so you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to FirstGuard.com. That's 1-S-T-Guard.com. FirstGuard. We speak trucker. Let's talk. I'm Debbie Desiderato, owner of Walkabout Transport, and I'm just going to give you a quick heads up that there's a bit of strong language in this one, just a little bit. This past year at the Great American Trucking Show in Dallas, there convened a curious discussion panel. So my name's Paul Schlegel. You had the square-jawed veteran. 33-year veteran of the trucking industry. The lanky computer programmer. My name is Ognan. I'm only a three-year veteran of trucking. And the mild-mannered moderator faced with a delicate task. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate all of you guys joining us today for this discussion on driverless trucks and the role that drivers will play when they're driverless trucks. I got to hand it to these people. I mean, it really takes some guts to show up in Dallas at a convention center filled with hundreds of truck drivers and talk about the future of driverless trucks. The self-driving cars, the self-driving Multiple teleops. The software can control the braking and the self-driving technology today. When you watch a tragedy unfold, there's a little part of you that wants to think, this isn't actually going to happen, is it? Maybe Romeo and Juliet won't commit suicide this time. Maybe the Titanic won't hit that iceberg. Maybe John Denver won't board that experimental plane. And that's the way this technology looks to me now. Like an encroaching reality that none of us are quite ready to face. 
It seems like every few months there's another splashy video from one of the scads of companies making a play in this game. Plus AI has completed the industry's first ever. All declaring an end to trucking as we know it. This is the future waiting for us. But I have to give these brave panelists in Dallas some credit. They came prepared with their best possible pitch for an audience of truckers. This is insane. You know, people are being, you know, asked to be out on the road, away from their families. We've got to find a way to provide a driver a job where we can take them out of the cab of the truck. We're not going to take your jobs away. We're going to make your jobs better. Appreciate you guys coming. Appreciate the participation and thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. Here we are, folks, at the end of the run. And in this final episode, we're looking out at the road ahead. What will self-driving trucks mean for truckers? Not just for our livelihoods, but for our way of life. I honestly believe that our technology is our own worst enemy right now. And these autonomous trucks, if they're anything like my GPS, shoot, forget about it. Plus, we'll take the opportunity to check back with a few of the drivers we've talked to along the way to see what the future holds for them. Hello, hi ho. One more round in me of this. So the, the initial reaction was a little bit of shock. I'm Long Haul Paul. From PRX's Radiotopia and Overdrive magazine, this is Over the Road. talking today about what my job could look like down the road. So what I'd like to do for starters is tell you exactly what my job looks like today. Okay, here we go. Let's call and see if this load is ready. I'm going to tell you how I got to Dallas. Me, my wife Denise, and a load of yogurt out of western Ohio. And no, I'm not going to spare you any of the gritty details. What we're setting out on here is actually the first leg of an Ohio-Texas-Florida triangle. I used to run this lane as much as I could, but these days I'm mostly doing short-haul milk runs, meaning I'm never more than a day's drive from home. So this trip to Dallas feels like almost a mental retreat, a chance to clear the carbon out of my head. That is just as soon as the load is ready. Still no load to Texas. Wow, this could get interesting. Maybe I should restring my guitar. This is maybe my greatest strength as a truck driver. Long delays really don't bother me that much. Okay. I mean, I have my guitar, my books, and at least a thousand YouTube rabbit holes I can crawl inside. Okay, thank you. I used to wait two days sometimes on a load of produce and I could occupy myself just fine. In this case, it's only one day, but dispatch gives me an option. Yes, sir. You want to pounce on that load at midnight or wait till the next morning? Well, well, the younger Paul would have slammed a few Mountain Dews and gone to work. Would you, would you care if I just left out early, early tomorrow? Would that be okay? But I have to be a solar-powered trucker and yeah, wait for daylight. Yes. That's a derisive term, by the way. Ah, you're just a solar-powered trucker. I used to sling it at my well-slept peers right up until I became one. Anyway, I get to the plant at about 8 a.m. How, how about your shipping? This load is what we call a drop and hook, meaning I simply show up with an empty trailer, leave that one, and then go find my loaded trailer. Once about 20 years ago, when I was a hard-running owner-operator, I actually hooked onto the wrong trailer at a drop yard like this and pulled it all the way from North Carolina to Boston. 
so I always double-check the trailer number. Then I take a flashlight underneath to visually inspect the latching mechanism and kingpin. Check my tires and lights. Do a quick tug test to make sure the trailer is secure. Then off we go. Denise and I are hoping to get as far as Richland, Missouri to a mom and pop truck stop that we really like. But after about six hours in two states, fuel is running low. We stop just shy of the Missouri border in East St. Louis. I might be showing some bias here, but when you take a large Midwestern city and put a direction in front of it, like East Chicago, South St. Paul, that's usually a sign that you're in the working side of town. Stopping to fuel here. And sure enough, the East St. Louis Pilot Travel Center is surrounded by drop lots and nondescript warehouses. Folks, we're in the cold gray vortex of the industrial Midwest. Jeff to the full court, Jeff to the full court, thank you. I buy 113 gallons, which takes about seven minutes to pump and costs a little over $350. Then we move right along. Back on the road, well, uh, can I have some of those nuts, sir? We cross the mighty Mississippi and into the west. I realize this is largely a symbolic border, but once you cross that river, there really does seem to be a little more elbow room for a big truck like mine. By evening, the 14-hour clock is nipping at me, and we're literally minutes from running out of time when we make it to the Oasis Travel Plaza in Richland. All day, I've been trying to coax a buddy of mine, who is also running Dallas, to pull off at this very same truck stop so we can have breakfast together. But he still has another couple hours on his clock and is determined to make it as far as Joplin. Back in the day, that buddy of mine might have stopped and let that time go, but tonight he sails on by. Yeah, we're finally done for the day. Our bags and clothes are all piled in the sleeper, so we move it all onto the front seats for the night. I'll see if I remember to bring the pillowcase in my suitcase. I mean, it's not terrible sharing a single sleeper bunk with your wife of 38 years, but it's tight enough back there that we usually sleep head to foot. And I can't believe I forgot to bring that extra pillowcase. I don't, I probably didn't remember to pack the pillowcase. Denise only rides along with me like this a few times a year. And there's just something wonderful about seeing her wake up of a morning in the back of an old 386 Peterbilt. Her hair all disheveled and her face still soft with sleep. I'm reminded again that she is a strikingly beautiful woman. I'm ready if you are, dear. Uh, just Paul, time how rough do I look? You look great, Denise. You're in a truck stop in Missouri. You're going to be the most attractive woman in there. After breakfast, we move all the bags back into the sleeper. Set up the e-log, tap the tires, check the lights, and then it's off to Texas. For the second day, the goal is to get as close to Dallas as we can before we shut it down. We do pull off for some barbecue in Big Cabin, Oklahoma, but otherwise, Jackson Brown hurries us right along. We're delivering to a refrigerated warehouse with probably 150 docks all around the outside. Places like this are a bit of a puzzle to me. Nothing is made here. Nothing is bought and sold. Truckloads simply come in and other truckloads go out. So I can only trust there is a reason for it all. 
In any case, we get our door assigned pretty quick, drop our trailer and pull the truck out. Sign some more paperwork and the load is done. From there, we're able to walk right across the street for a big plate of huevos rancheros and then make our way over to the Great American Trucking Show. A little ripe, a little worse for the wear, but otherwise ready for action. We kind of lingered over this tale longer than we might normally, because I want you to really appreciate what a day's work out on the road entails. For now, at least. So here we are, at a massive convention center, kind of like the one where we kicked off this series, full of truck drivers, shiny trucks, and slick salesmen. But there's at least one company here that I've never seen before. Hi, I am Ethel Ramirez, and I am a safety driver in an autonomous truck. And I love every minute of it. Ethel here works for a company called Starsky Robotics, which actually brought one of their trucks right out on the show floor in Dallas. It's kind of like bringing a Model T to a horse show. Okay, this is our, our pad. I'll admit, I came over to the Starsky booth expecting to find some slick technopunk who I could really love to hate. And this button will do the line, you know, line key. But this kind 60-year-old soul from North Georgia had me eating out of her hand. That we, we boot our computer up back here. Oh, wow, look at that big computer. That's huge. We boot our computer up, and then we start the truck on the road where there's lines. And then we engage it with this. And I just sit here like this right here. I do not touch that wheel unless it wants to do something out of the ordinary. I do not touch the wheel. Ethel is basically there as a backup while Starsky works out the bugs in the system. So when the truck's on the road and no one's in it, it will work perfect. Do you do you basically trust this system though? Do you are you f- comfortable with this this automated system that you're using? Yes, I do. I mean, it's just like driving a normal truck, except you're not driving it. I put my hands behind my head, you know, just re- like I'm relaxing, you know, like just going down the road and they'll double take, you know, take a double take, and then I'll just put both hands up, wave at them, and smile at them. Driving a truck without touching the wheel? To me, that's like pure cognitive dissonance. I mean, you got to have fun when you're driving a truck. You know, (laughs) if you don't find a way to have a good time out here on the road, then you're not going to make it. Do you sometimes say, I just want the feeling of that? Do you sometimes just want to feel your hands on that wheel? Well, everybody does. (laughs) I am. I'm old school. Been driving 22 years. And I'm just honored that I'm even a part of this technology stuff. I knew it was coming, but I didn't think that I would ever be a part of it. This is the reason Starsky is bothering to show up at a truck show at all because they do want truckers to be part of all this technology stuff. What they're working towards is not actually a fully autonomous truck, but more of a hybrid, something they call teleop. So the idea is like doing a teleop is most companies can't get off the highway. We can deliver right to the customer. They do that by driving the truck remotely like a drone. So as soon as the roads get too tight or confusing for the automated system, Someone like Jeff here... My name's Jeff Runyons. ...can simply take over without having to actually be in the truck. I've been a truck driver for 40 years, and I want to try something different. I've done everything else, so I did. Poor Jeff has been stationed in front of the Starsky truck all day, where he has to field non-stop questions from curious, well, sometimes suspicious truck drivers. 
I'm tired, so that's reason I can't answer. Like, hear my but he's kind enough to show me how the teleop works. This is like a prototype, you know, it's got a racing seat from a PlayStation. You heard right. The PlayStation 3. I got gas, I got brake, I got everything. On my steering wheel, I got where I can click it here, like right here. See that steering wheel? The controller is surrounded by three flat screen monitors showing live feeds from all the truck's cameras. So it's like a game, but it's not because you've got 80,000 pounds going on the road. The truck is not a game. This teleop system has allowed Starsky to do what no other company has done. Take a tractor trailer onto a public road with nobody in the truck. Going up to the stop sign. This is from a video of that test. Back in June of 2019, Jeff was running the teleop, but like I said, no one is in the truck. This truck is in South Florida. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. Am I keeping on now? What I do is I bring it out in the rest area, which is teleop. Came out into traffic, then I turned the truck on and it drove itself all the way down about nine miles. Right when we're getting to the tow road to get off, I take it over there right when you see the, the get off ramp. a critic on it, but they make everything better when I tell them. And the Jeff is here in Dallas to sell this idea of truck drivers becoming truck controllers, basically turning trucking into a desk job. We're going to have it so the drivers work eight to ten hours a day, and that, that's it. So everybody's going to be nice and fresh, and they're not going to be driving all night long or you know working 70 hours a week like truck drivers do nowadays. Okay, not all of us actually work that much. But Jeff does make some fair points. A teleop job would mean no more hanging around the East St. Louis pilot, that's for sure. I mean, most of your life being a truck driver is sitting somewhere waiting to get loaded or unloaded. How many times you got a place to eat over there? That's why you go to truck stops and eat the greasy food, because you've been sitting there all day and you're hungry. So it's almost like we, we've created a job that nobody really wants exactly. anymore. Nobody with any sense would go do what we did. Exactly. I mean, like these new Millennium guys, they really don't want to be on the road. I'm telling you now. Everybody that's young that we have here after they, you know, they've been driving a couple of years, they don't want to be out there. We're not taking nobody's job. That's what they don't understand. I'm giving them a better job. As you can imagine, that idea draws mixed responses in this crowd. I don't want to, you know, sit in some room and let a truck drive by itself. Yeah, I'm going to wait and see mode, yeah. I go crazy. In fact, we meet a family of truckers right there at the Starsky booth that pretty much captures the full range of attitudes. My name's Clifford Ewing. We talk to the dad first. You want my honest opinion? A self-driving truck is one of the biggest fucking mistakes they ever made. Well, that's one way to look at it. A truck driving itself. But Clifford and his generation have the luxury of simply dismissing this type of technology. Well, in two and a half years, I'll be out of it. So after that... They can all go straight to hell. But his two sons are also truckers. They can fight with it. The older son, Matthew, is 33. I would be bored. And he's pretty skeptical about signing up for a teleop job. Seeing the Rocky Mountains on a screen, I can do that anytime I turn to the Nature Channel. I'd much rather see the world in person. But then we talk to his younger brother, Travis. It's Travis Ewing. He sings a pretty different tune. Yeah, it'd be like playing a video game all day. Get paid to sit in the air-conditioned building and not have to worry about dealing with people. Can't really beat that kind of a job. And this is what I find so interesting about this company. They expose a kind of invisible fault line in our community. Between those of us who see trucking as just another job and those of us who see it as a way of life. But before we get too carried away, I want to encourage everyone listening to maintain some healthy degree of skepticism about all this technology stuff, as Ethel put it. Matter of fact, a few months after this interview, one of Starsky's main investors pulled out just as they were closing another funding round. Pretty soon, the company laid off all their drivers and effectively closed up shop as a trucking outfit. So in this case, the hype was just hype, you could say. 
but there are others still out there trying to crack the automation nut, and it's just a matter of time before one of these companies gets it right. And then what? What happens to all the truckers who simply want to live life out on the road? It's going to be a hell of an unemployment line, I think. You know, when autonomy takes over and puts us all out of work, you know? As you can probably imagine, there are a lot of them right here at the Great American Trucking Show. Well, I'd rather just drive around aimlessly in my truck. <laughs> Let me tell you what it gets you when you give them all you got. All the way back to the Bible story of Cain, there's been that breed of men and women who have wandered. I don't know nothing else. I dread retiring. I'm 66 years old. Unable to put down roots or work the land. I don't want to do another job in life. We're going to stay out here every day that God blesses us and lets us do it. We're the searchers, the wayfaring strangers, heirs to that great American tradition of mobility. Then that's when your life goes away. Just it's just the style of life. And for the truckers of this breed, the thread of hope we hold on to is the knowledge that there's a lot more to our jobs than just keeping the rig between the white lines. It'll be a few years still before a computer can step into a bullpen and convince a 2,000-pound animal to walk onto a trailer or secure a steel coil to a flatbed with chains and binders. Shoot, even the simple rituals of a produce hauler like me, checking tires, switching out trailers, fueling up the reefer unit, interacting with the shippers, brokers, and receivers. No tech company is even claiming their truck can do all that on its own. Not yet, at least. So we grab our gears, we wait, we watch the new promotional videos, and we shove our worries aside the best we can. We put our energy into more pressing concerns like ELDs and freight rates, the hours of service and the lack of parking. And above all else, we just focus on the next load, then the next one, and then the next one. Hey folks, since we can't get back into the studio right now, I'll be recording this last bit right out here over the road. Right now, I'm parked up at Nick's Barbecue in Carlisle, Arkansas, waiting on an order of brisket, turnip greens, and fried okra. Hard to believe, but we've been working on this series for over a year. We first met as a team in early March 2019, and it's May 2020 as I record this. The problem with that is these stories we're telling aren't standing still. They're out there moving and changing with the rest of us. So before we close up shop, I want to share a few updates from the people we interviewed this past year. Let's kick it off with Jared Sidlow, the bull hauler we met out in Nebraska. So you, you had a thing for trucks. Forever. Remember that Jared had recently switched to bull hauling after the ELD mandate went into effect. I guess if my name's on the truck, I, I'm not going to run one. But the long hours and time away from home were starting to weigh on him and his young family. That's the hardest part. I miss my kids. That was over a year ago now. But just a couple months after that first interview, my producer and I were driving through Kentucky working on the nanner pudding episode, as a matter of fact, when I get this call from Jared. Cool, good timing. Jared happened to be fueling at the Waddy Kentucky Loves before heading back west. All right, we'll see you in about five. And we were only a few miles away. You bet, bye. <laughs> so we get there and sure enough, there's that red Peterbilt lined up at the diesel pumps. 
with the big chrome bumper lowered down to within inches of the pavement. How are you doing? Doing good. It's my wife, Denise. Jared was there on one of his usual cattle runs, taking feeders from Kentucky out to Nebraska. Got 70 head of steers on, going to a feedlot. But then he gave us some news. I got about one more round in me of this, and then pull the plug. Jared the bull hauler is getting out of bull hauling. He found a local tanker gig that'll have him home every night. Yeah, just miss the kids and it's just, it's not fun anymore either, you know? There's too many regulations and I'm just ready to be done. By then, Jared's truck was topped off. And he did one last check of his cargo to make sure they were all still on their feet. Just try to be as good to them as you can. They got a pretty crummy life, so. Then a rainstorm came out of nowhere. I got a feeling we're fixing to get soaked. And we said a hasty goodbye under the fuel island. I talked to Jared again a few months later, and big surprise. He's been picking up some loads of cattle again on the side. Guess it's like he told us out in Nebraska. You hate it when you're doing it. You miss it when you don't. I wonder if that's what podcasting is like. We recently followed up with the other trucker we met in Nebraska. Hello. Hi. yet. <laughs> She also had some big news for us. Yeah, so I bought a truck in the middle of April. This is just classic Kenyette. In the midst of a pandemic, as the world braces for economic collapse, that's when she makes her move. So it's kind of an awkward time, but it's like, you know, it's just now's the time. Quite the contrarian, that Kenyette. And so if I can make it through the boot camp of the now then anything after that, once it rebounds, should be a whole lot better. Does it feel different to be driving a truck that you own? So I liken a company driver to being like staying at home at your parents' house. They may cook your food, buy the food, pay the utilities, but you don't really get a true sense of living until you get out on your own. And, you know, I may completely fall flat on my face, but... You gotta spread your wings and fly. All right, I've got a few quick ones for you. Finn Murphy from episode three is working on his second book and has, of all things, retired to the life of a country squire with his own Colorado cannabis farm. Meanwhile, over on I-75, Genevieve has just released her first album, and Janet, also known as Tammy Wynette, has retired from the Derby City truck stop due to health issues. She now makes beautiful Appalachian quilts. You can find her work on Facebook by searching for Touche Crochet by Janet. Hello? This is Zane. Is this my sister? This is your sister, Lacey. So last we heard, Brother Zane was still looking for work out in Montana, but pretty determined not to follow in the family tradition of truck driving. So tell me about what you got up to this last summer. What were you doing for work? I was a delivery driver to restaurants and, you know, retail stores around town in a big, I don't know how long. Like a straight truck? Big, long, straight truck, yeah. Now, I've got to stop you right there, because, Zane, you should know that I started out driving one of those boxy little straight trucks, too. I think it was actually an old U-Haul with a reefer unit stuck on the front. And it was a good gig, too, till one day I took my wife out with me on a local delivery run. Three shiny red Peterbilts passed my rig at a high rate of speed, and she turned to me and said, Hey, Paul. Ever wish you drove a real truck? But you're still on team no over-the-road driving. I mean, yeah. No. 
I mean, have you been considering it? Yeah. Dad uh, got me in touch with a driving school guy he knows and talked to him for a minute. You know, I don't... It's not a bad option, you know? Just remember one thing, Zane. Street trucks are a gateway drug. One day you're dropping lettuce at the local food co-op. Forty years later, they're calling you four-lane Zane. So consider yourself warned. Um... Well, let me know if you need anything. Okay, love you. Okay, love you too. Bye. Bye. Remember how Benda out in California got into trucking because of a couple misdemeanor DUIs he had? At, at that time, it seemed like the best way for me to provide for my family to where I was, you know, bringing in a good amount of money. Well, while we were working on the series, those dropped off his record. And he started applying for jobs as a corrections officer. And I've also applied with the Federal Bureau of Prisons. He might even go back and finish off that law degree at some point. But for Binda, the ELD fight is all over. The 10, 12 people of us that were like all gung-ho front line, one of my buddies already got out, you know, he got a job. And there's like two, three of us that are in the process, you know, so we're, we're all just trying to get out of trucking. About a month before we published, Binda wrote to say he got that corrections job after all. And he's all done with trucking for now. Binda's fellow activists and our old friend Mike Landis because the big update here is also news for all truckers. Okay, I want to thank everyone for uh, that participated here in person. Just ahead of the truck show in Dallas where we kicked off this episode, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration actually proposed new rules that would give truckers more flexibility with our driving hours. Important stage here. This is not a final rule. So I'll give you my take on it. There's like a lot of speculation right now. The details are complicated, but the basic gist is that we would be able to stop and start that 14-hour clock at some point during our workday. It's a lot better than what we have to work with now. Just a few weeks ago, those rules were finally confirmed by the FMCSA, but that doesn't mean Mike is ready to hang it up as an activist. I feel it's a good step in the right direction. They're moving in the right direction, and uh, hopefully we can keep them going in that direction. In fact, you can still spot him sometimes out on the National Mall with his old 99 Peterbilt, talking to passersby about hours of service, ELDs, and the future of trucking. I have to salute the holdouts like Mike, but for most of us, there's no going back to the old ways. As I record this, there are more computers in my truck than there are in my home, and no doubt, they're here to stay. So yeah, I'm still out here though my last rig was sold off long ago. After my big wreck, the one that nearly claimed my life, along with that canary yellow western star and a regrettable quantity of cheese, I never quite found my footing again as an owner-operator. So I just drive for the other guy now, and truth be told, these days I'm trying to do a little more stuff like singing, writing, and podcasting, and a little less trucking. Seems like if you've been around this business long enough, you begin to devise some sort of exit strategy. If you're lucky, you get to be like Finn or Binda and leave on your own terms. Some, like Janet and Big Jim, get out because the time comes and they have no other choice. But then you do have your lifers like Idella, the pistol packing money hauler, who couldn't be anything but a trucker, and your hardcore cowboys like Fast Freddy, who pretty much died with his boots on. I used to think that would be the way to go, out there in some deep, dark desert, running with the helm in your hand till the day you die, consumed by the oneness of that thing that was here in some form before you were, and which will be here when you are long gone, with no second act, no soliloquy, just rocked to sleep on the shoulder of that long-legged lover 
the road. After doing this podcast, though, eh, I'm not so sure. I'm thinking there might just be more to life than the next load, even for a recovering produce hauler like me. Anyway, this is the kind of stuff you think about when you've got 600 miles of I-20 to cover before sundown. After the Great American Trucking Show is over on Sunday afternoon, Denise and I head up to a dock north of Dallas and reset our reefer to 20 below so we can pick up a load of frozen food. Anything else for me? No, sir. Thank you, sir. Bye. That night, we make it as far as Terrell, Texas, to the TA truck stop there, where I find one of my favorite waitresses, Maxie, who is in her 80s now. The next day, we cross Louisiana, Mississippi, and a little sliver of Alabama then head down into the Florida panhandle. We finally unload in a place called Kissimmee. The next morning, we hiked the reefer up to 32 degrees for our load of orange juice and head north on I-75. We haul through Atlanta and K-Town where my personal watermelons got pureed in that fender bender, then up and over the Cumberland Plateau, past the 49er Fuel Center, past the Derby City and the 76, then up through Cincinnati and into the verdant fields of Western Ohio. I can't quite recall where that orange juice ended up. I have a hard time remembering loads. After a while, they really do all become a blur. So you work day and night, you learn how to fight Till one day you stand on your own Before the strength that you find, you pay dearly and kind In the love that you leave back at home So I sought for a space for to see the sweet faces of the loved ones I will in And it shames me to say after two or three days The old highway was all I could hear Now I'm working over the road Over the road Working over the road Some men they die in wool, flannel, grain On a quiet silk tie at the break of each day And they say to their sons you will be as I am Ah, but God bless the young who pray one day they'll stand Working over the road Pit crew includes producer and sound designer Ian Koss and contributing producer Lacey Roberts at Transmitter Media. Our editor from Overdrive Magazine is Todd Dells. Our digital producer is Aaron Wade. Our project manager, the wonderful lady who holds everything together, is Audrey Martovich. One last hero. Collaborative storytelling can be a highly fraught process. For a grizzled old trucker like me, in essence a practitioner of a solitary trade for almost 40 years now, I reached a point when this whole team thing just proved to be more than I thought I could handle. So one July night, at around 11 o'clock, I actually wound up resigning from this project. The best explanation I can muster for doing something so rash and self-sabotaging is that when you're paid by the mile to run, Running just sort of becomes your default solution for anything that overwhelms you. But the person who skillfully talked me off that ledge the following day at a picnic table outside of the PRX podcast garage was a rare and beautiful soul who also happens to be our executive producer, Julie Shapiro. Thanks for helping me turn that corner and for giving old LHP a second chance. Truth be told, I'm a better person for having worked with you. All the music on the show is by Ian Koss and myself, featuring performances by Travis the Snake Man Womack, Terry Two Socks Richardson, Tisha Mingo Jim Whitehead, Jan Grant Gullet, 
the late, great Roger Clark and Mr. Andrew Marshall. Additional engineering by Donnie Gullett down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Special shout out to Overdrive's own Jason Cannon, who moderated the panel you heard at the top of the show. Thanks also to the truckers you heard, Debbie Desiderato, Daniel and Phyllis Snow, Debbie Jacobs, Demetrius Huron, Michelle Katch, and Chris Bradley. Thanks again to all the folks who have helped make this show happen. Greta Cohn at Transmitter Media, Max Hine at Overdrive Magazine, and the whole marketing team at PRX, Charlotte Cooper, David Catrone, and Mario Carricker. And very special thanks also to Jeff Templeton at Milk House Studios in Richmond, Indiana, who is recording this right now. He's the one solely responsible for remembering to tell me to quit tapping my foot while I speak. And of course, a very special thanks to my beautiful wife, Denise, who over the course of our production and the course of the last 38 years has held things together for me in ways that no one will ever know. You can hear all eight installments in our re-air of Over the Road via a special playlist I've put together that is housed in the post announcing this podcast for April 2, 2021 at overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen radio. Also find it in Overdrive Radio's SoundCloud profile at soundcloud.com slash overdrive radio. No hyphen there. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive. The podcast is edited and produced by myself, Todd Dills, with no small amount of support from Overdrive Extra Contributor and Muller Trucking Hauler, Paul Marhofer, Overdrive Editorial Director, Max Heine, Social Media Coordinator, Holly Young, and News Editor, Matt Cole. Till next time, keep it pro out there.